Hi, and welcome back to the Sage of the Modern Age. Today we're going to be talking about the Dresden Files, specifically the politics of the Dresden Files, the Unseelie Accords, and the signatories of those accords. Once again, there is, is a spoiler podcast, and so if you haven't read up to the book Battlegrounds, I recommend that you do so before watching this, as there may be information that is discussed and talked about that you do not know yet and will spoil you for future books. So if you want to avoid spoilers, pause now, finish the books, and return when you're done. Now, the Unseelie Accords are the legal system, so to speak, of the supernatural world in the Dresden Files. They were created originally by Queen Mab of the Winter Court of the Fairies, and they define the terms by which the supernatural world will um, go about its business, because if the supernatural world were to be constantly at war or fighting all the time, then the humans would discover them. The humans are much more numerous than the supernatural world. And with the technology that we have nowadays, it would only be a matter of time until all of supernatural life was eradicated from the world. So in order to protect themselves from that, they signed the Unseelie Accords. Now the Unseelie Accords define things like when is, is okay for violent action? how many mortals one is allowed to take and which ones, uh, what kind of action can be taken against the other signatories of the accords who's protected against uh, this kind of action, those kinds of things. They set and define rules and limits like a peace treaty or like an alliance that keeps these supernatural forces from each other's throats when normally they would be aggressively murdering one another as well as taking the lives of various humans. Instead, they are kept at peace with one another due to the Unseelie Accords. Now there's a number of signatories that are discussed in the book. Uh, today I'm going to talk about 11 of those signatories. Um, so let's just jump into it. The first and most obvious of the signatories of the Unseelie Accords is the Winter Fairy. The Winter Fairy led by Queen Mab are creatures of hunting and cold and bitter and they are the fairies that rule the fairy world during the winter. Uh, they are those that are a little bit more capricious or a little bit more violent in tendencies um, and they stand directly counter to the next signatary, the summer fairy, led by the Queen Titania. The summer fairy are all about growth and development and progress uh, despite, or rather in spite of what's already there. So they are those that um, overgrow things that are present. They are all about um, the, the entropy, the progress of things towards destruction. They are about uh, the summer and heat. They are the fairy that rule the fairy court during the summers. And these two are in a bit of a war, but because of the Unseelie Accords that were is kept very tame and, and off of the mortal plane, the material plane, in the never-never in the fairy realms as to protect the nature of the fairies from the humans. The third signatories of the Unseelie Accords is the White Court of Wizards. The White Court is the wizarding body. They are in charge of the rules of magic that we discussed in the last episode. And they are the ones that are in charge of keeping magic users and wizards and other practitioners of magical arts 
uh, in line with the Accords, keeping them from doing anything that would violate the Accords and bring supernatural anger down onto the other magic users. The next signatory that I would like to discuss is the Order of the Blackened Denarius. The Order of the Blackened Denarius is a group of individuals that are possessed by the spirits of fallen angels. These angels inhabit coins that are the denarius that were given the 30 pieces of silver that were given to Judas after he betrayed Christ um, to the Romans. These fallen angels are bent on the destruction of humanity, the corruption of people, um, and the downfall of the white God, um, God with capital G, the Christian God. The Order of the Black and Denarius is dangerous and deadly and one of Harry's greatest foes, but they are signatories of the Accords, and so they are kept by those laws from doing anything too terribly awful to humanity. Um, it is hinted at in the books that they are not really keeping with those uh, promises that they've made with the, with the Accords and with the terms of the Accords, and so it's likely that that will turn on them at some point in time in the near future. However, they are currently still signatories. Up next, I want to talk about the Archive, or Ivy, as she is known to Dresden. Ivy is the embodiment of all human knowledge. So everything that has ever been written down is known by the Archive. It is a mantle that is passed from mother to daughter to daughter um, through a maternal line as soon as the mother's death happens. Ivy, unfortunately, received this knowledge as an infant when she was very, very young. And so Ivy is still very young um, and possessing of great magical power as well as great knowledge. The combination of these two makes Ivy an extremely dangerous force on the battlefield. However, because of her youth and innocence, she is kind and caring, um, but also burdened by the knowledge that she has and has had since her very earliest years. Up next, we're going to discuss Monarch Securities. Monarch Securities, led by Vaderung, or One Eye, is a security corporation that lends out Einherjahr and Valkyrie for security purposes. It's hinted at a lot in the book that Vaderung is Odin the Norse god Odin, and he and his Nordic warriors are a very dangerous, very deadly force that can be uh, rented out by other supernatural entities for protection, for um, military purposes. They basically just are warriors for higher sellswords, so to speak. Next, we're going to talk about the Svartalves. Svartalves are underground dwelling creatures, fantastic builders and enchanters, that mostly live in the Never Never, but have recently come over to the Material Plane and began helping with the defense of Chicago and helping Harry and his compatriots to build um, locations for them to live. Harry does them several favors, um, but then gets on their bad side when his brother, Thomas Wraith, uh, murders their leader. Um, so Harry has a very difficult relationship with Svartalves at the moment, but they're known for their building ability and for their ability to enchant those buildings to be very defensible, very safe, very strong. All three of the vampire courts are also signatories of the Accords, the Red Court, the White Court, and the Black Court. 
because of that, the wizards and the red court vampires got into a war because Harry killed one of their leaders after his girlfriend was kidnapped. Under the signatories, because Susan, uh, Harry's uh, girlfriend at the time, was kidnapped and turned into a red court vampire, that was entirely acceptable under the accords because she was a mortal human being. And within their numbers of mortals and situations of mortals that they were allowed to take in turn. Harry retaliated, killing one of the leaders of the Red Court. Under the Accords, this was an act of aggression and allowed the Red Court to declare war against the White Court. Now, it was later discovered that this was all done intentionally and the Red Court was held in contempt by the Accords and was nearly eradicated by a massive magical spell um, that Harry worked on, uh, along with Susan, the turned uh, Red Court vampire, who was able to uh, use her connection with the Red Court to help eradicate them, unfortunately sacrificing herself in the process. The next signatory is one that we don't know very much about, and that's Faravax the Dragon. Faravax is known to be extremely dangerous and powerful and greedy, but other than that, almost nothing is known. He is so largely powerful that he can't actually show up himself on the material plane without destroying nearly everything around him. He warns Harry on several occasions that if he were to actually pull his real power into this world, that he would crush Harry just by existing. Fairfax is the only dragon, the only living dragon that we see in the book series. However, it is discussed that there is another dragon uh, that was slain by Michael Carpenter, one of the Knights of the Cross, which is something we'll talk about later. Up next, we have the forest people who are what typical uh, cryptidology and mythology would call uh, Sasquatch or the Bigfoot. They're a race of people that live out in a secluded forests and out in the wild that are very powerful magic users, uh, particularly nature magic, the ability to shapeshift, transform, control nature, those kinds of things. Other than that, not much is known about them. And the last signatories, although they are now former signatories, of the NC the Accords is the Fulmore. The Fulmore are ocean-dwelling people that were pushed out of Ireland by the Tuathidanan or by the fairy people. Um, they were pushed into the ocean and have kind of transformed while down there into ocean-dwelling kind of people of the deep. Uh, we don't still don't know a lot about the Fulmore. They are magically talented and magically resistant, and they have partnered themselves with Nemesis and the Outsiders to attack and attempt to destroy the supernatural world. That's why the Battle of Chicago was fought, was in order to push out the Fulmore from the city of Chicago and protect the uh, people there as well as the supernatural community that exists there. Now I wanted to discuss one more uh, organization that exists in the Dresden universe. However, they are not signatories of the Accords, and that is the Knights of the Cross and the Faithful. The Knights of the Cross are three soldiers, three knights, that are each gifted by an archangel themselves a blade, a sword of the cross. Swords of the cross have nails from the cross of Christ embedded in their hilts, and because of that, combined with the faith of the wielder, are given extreme power they are enabled to 
kill just about anything, any supernatural creature. They are resistant to magic and can dispel spells. The Knights of the Cross are very powerful and because of their faith are resistant to a lot of magical effects as well as they seem to have the ability to appear anywhere they're needed. This last ability, as well as the protection of their faith, is something that is shared by all faithful individuals, people that have a true belief in a higher power. These people seem to be uh, magically protected from dark magic, uh, black vampires, black court vampires, and several other things can't touch the faithful because of their faith. Now, this faith also, like I mentioned with the Knights of the Cross, will sometimes allow them to simply know things or be places that they shouldn't be. They can receive bolts of inspiration that guide them to those who need their aid and inform them what they need to do to be most helpful. Unfortunately, because of the rules of uh, the nature and how things work, it's very difficult for angels and, and divine beings like gods to work their power directly in the world. And so instead they delegate this power to the faithful in order to make the actions that need to happen. Currently, the signatories of the Unselia Accords have all banded together to face down the outsiders who have broken through the outside gates and are attacking the world. Recently, this has culminated in the Battle of Chicago, a devastating battle that nearly leveled the city of Chicago and led to several deaths um, on both sides. Eventually, the members of the Unsealy Accords with Dresden's help were able to be successful in defeating Nemesis, however, at great loss. Um, the current story sits at just after the Battle of Chicago, as they are trying to regroup, rebuild, and come after Nemesis to attempt to defeat him and the rest of the outsiders and protect uh, the supernatural individuals as well as the mortals in the world. That's it for this episode of Sage of the Modern Age. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us at the Sage of the Modern Age. We're grateful that you're here, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to find more, you can find the podcast on any of the major podcatchers, including Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and many more. The videos are also uploaded to YouTube and... We'd love to see you there as well. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sage of the Modern Age or at SOTMA. If you'd like to support the podcast, there's a link on the Anchor website, anchor.fm backslash SOTMA, where you can donate to the podcast and send voice messages and tell us what you enjoyed, what you didn't enjoy, give us suggestions as to what we can do for future episodes. Hope to hear from you and hope to see you next week. Till then, bye.